Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. I'm so happy to be with you today. It's so exciting to see uh, so many beautiful faces. I'm seeing faces of friends that I haven't seen in a while, and I'm so excited. I'm so grateful uh, that God is adding to us. He's bringing people to us. Um, he's doing a work inside of this church. He has massive destiny on this church, guys. And it's such an honor to stand before you um, and, and, and be uh, one of those that has been picked by God to lead a movement in our city. And I'm excited. I'm grateful that God has, has brought so many wonderful people that are a part of this and can see the future and can see the thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh, that God wants to bring into the kingdom. You understand that we're, we, we're in Collin County, which is set to be, um, as the future goes, Collin County will eclipse Dallas County in population. Do you understand that? Collin County County will be the greatest economic hub of our entire region. And God has called us here. He's bringing people here by the tens and hundreds of thousands. And they need churches, lots of them. When I was meeting with one of the gentlemen that was a part of the Baptist um, uh, organization, the actual, uh, you know, the, the actual organization that oversees and helps and supports Baptist churches, their prediction for the Baptists alone their prediction was that Collin County needed 300 more churches for the population that's coming here. So I'm excited, not only that we're growing a church that will be an absolute beacon in this region, uh, and, and we'll, who knows what the Lord is going to lead us to do and whatever, but I can tell you we're going to be launching churches left and right, and I'm not talking about necessarily Oaks churches. I'm not, I'm not, can I tell you, I'm not interested in building a church empire that's about me and my family. I'm interested in building a, a platform that launches churches by the hundreds, just launches, blesses, sins, all that. I'm meeting with future, with pastors and future pastors on a regular basis, making friends, looking for who I get to help bless. That's what this church is about. It's about the big church. It's about the kingdom. It's not about one organization. It's about all of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Can I tell you, and I can't wait to see what the Lord does this year. I can't wait to tell you the celebration of what the Lord does this year. You know, my favorite, my favorite thing that we measure at Oaks Church is how much we as a church give away. Do you know in our very first year, we gave away, our first year, we gave away over $200,000 in our first year, gave away to other ministries to other church funds, to other building projects, to other, to other missionaries, to other things, gave away $200,000 in our first year. Why is that important? Because the generous will be made rich. And I'm not talking about rich as in we're going to get rich, y'all. I'm talking about we're going to have such an incredible inheritance in heaven because of how richly we bless here on earth. And I made a decision, the first tithe that we gave, the very first tithe we gave, I split it between three different churches that had the first time, three different building funds. I helped two churches start building funds and one church complete a building fund. And we did that as our very first tithe. Why? Because God had a building for us. 
And here we are now, 18 months later, and we have the keys to a building that God had for us that wasn't available and wasn't for sale. He's faithful. He's faithful. I'm very excited. We met with some of our creative and teaching team this week, and we planned out all of our series for the rest of this year and into January. And I'm so excited about where the Lord is taking us and how he's going to equip and empower you as the people of God to be the most formidable force for good that you possibly can be in your spheres of influence. God is elevating you. He's elevating you. And we're doing this series right now called I'm Not Fine. We just started it last week, and we had a great sermon and a great series and a great kickoff last week. If you missed it, you will want to go back to the website and check that out. But I'm going to jump into it today. I got to at some point actually get to my notes, right? I should try to get to my notes at some point and and go through this material, but God is taking us on a journey and he's going to lead us into a place throughout the rest of this year in a season where many people are going backward. You're going to go forward in a season where people are, are, are literally crumbling. You are going to be formed and perfected. He's got massive plans for you. Hold on to him and ride the wave that he's going to and is releasing in his spirit because this is a season of supernatural growth for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. He's making you strong. He's making you tough. Last week, we described how this title, I'm Not Fine, it starts with being honest with yourself, honest with your feelings, and seeking the truth, God's truth. There's only one truth. His name is Jesus. You don't get to speak your individual truth. You don't have your truth and they have their truth. There's one truth and it's not an it, it's a he. His name is Jesus. And anything else is not the truth. Facts are not the truth, because facts can change. Statistics are not the truth, because statistics can change. The definition of the word truth is something that does not change. It's what the word means. Jesus is the truth. So we started with that, admitting, I'm not fine. I got issues. I'm dealing with stuff. If we can't be honest with ourselves and seek God's truth, we have no basis for moving forward with him and we can never actually be fine. We can convince ourselves we are, but we're not. And there are a lot of people that are so caught up. In fact, can I tell you, there are a lot of spiritual people, religious people. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the actual buckle of the Bible belt. Jesus has a spring home there, I'm telling you. I mean, Jesus lived in Tulsa. Every megachurch, every spiritual movement, everything that ever happened inside of the charismatic world happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I grew up in the middle of the crazy. And in the middle of what they call the word of faith movement. The word of faith movement, listen, it's powerful. And your words are powerful. And God's words are powerful. And you should declare words of faith. But part of the bad teaching was that you weren't ever allowed, if you had any doubt at all, to speak that doubt or to admit that you had weakness or that you were going through something because we were taught in children's church, 
that when you prayed, you planted that little seed like the bean in the cup in kindergarten. And if you keep digging that thing up, it ain't gonna grow. But what happens is you can live your life with a dead bean. And you won't even admit it because you're too religious. It's okay to admit you're weak. It's okay to admit that you need help. There was a man that came to Jesus that needed help. He wasn't fine. He said, help me with my unbelief, Jesus. And Jesus healed his son when he was in the middle of unbelief. So you can get real self-righteous about your faith. Think that you're it, all that in a bag of chips. Come on, I, I, I used to have this, this bulletproof type superhero. Man, when I was in my 20s, my faith, ooh, man, I tell you what, I was gonna, I was gonna just, man, plunder hell all by myself. Bring, bring the keys back. Don't worry, Jesus, I got the key. I, I, man, I'm telling you. I, and then life happens to you. And then you get handed a, a, a little bit of, of the dose of reality and you come face to face. I had to come face to face with massive failures in my faith to realize that when I'm weak, then he's strong. All the time that I thought that I was strong, God was limited in how strong he could be in me because it's in our weakness that his strength is perfected. And if you can't admit that you're not fine and that you need some help and you need some Jesus and, and, and you need some people around you to support you, then you're going to be stuck and you're not going to be able to move forward. So it starts in that, in that way. And, and I want to take just a little bit of time because I don't want to get you off into a place of self-deprecating where everything's about your flaws and everything's about what's not right and everything. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about honesty and truth. But then, guys, you've actually got to move back to a place that you see what God sees in you. Because I know people, and in my experience and times working in the corporate setting, Working with corporate teams, even in just the last couple of years, I've been in corporations working with people that were extremely successful that didn't like themselves. They were running teams of 100 people, 150 people. They could tell me every single good thing about that person and that person. And they had every single other person that they would talk to. That person has this and that and whatever. And they're so great and they're whatever. I'm like, well, tell me what's good about you. Couldn't say a word. Unbelievably sad to see people so locked up with facing and focusing on their own failures and shortcomings that they couldn't see the glory of the creator inside themselves. Can I tell you, I like me. I like me. God made me. My mom named me Joel Nathaniel. Nathaniel means gift from God. I believe it. I mean, how do you think I got this woman here? To, I made her believe it. My mama told me and I believed her. I'm a gift from God. God made you. You got flaws? Admit them but you gotta find your strengths and you gotta focus on your strengths and you gotta know what good God put in you. And it's not about you being cocky or arrogant, it's about you giving glory to the creator. He made you. 
He put good things in you. And for you to not like you dishonors him. You let that sink in. My mom uh, used to do this thing to us as siblings. I had two younger sisters and I believed with all my heart my job was to torment them. And when we would get to how siblings do and start saying bad things about each other, my mom would stop us and make us say three good things about our sibling. And when you're mad, oh my God, it's the hardest thing ever to look at your little sister and your mom sitting there tapping her foot. And you can't come up with one. Your teeth are not that crooked. I mean, just... It's hard. But listen, some people have that much trouble saying good things about themselves. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn whoever you're sitting next to. I want you to turn right now, and I want you to tell somebody next to you three good things about yourself. Go. Three good things about you. Go. (laughs) That's it. All right, only three. Come on, don't get cocky. Just kidding. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some real, I'm gonna give you some real homework, okay? I'm gonna give you some real homework. <laughs> Just keep going, don't worry. Somebody bring in some snacks. We got family time going on right now. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Haven't you missed everybody? It's so good to be back together. So good to be back together. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Pray for sanity in our nation. Sanity in our leaders, in Jesus' name. Um, I'm going to give you an assignment that's a real real assignment. Because we're talking about, I want to take a moment and I want to talk about... um, self-care, and I want to I talk a little bit about just some basic practices, some real practical things before I get into the next phase of this message. But I want you to do something that I, I learned this by listening, pardon me, to um, podcasts about quantum physics. And I know some of you are like, sure, Joel, quantum physics, yeah. I had to listen to them over and over and over again, okay, all right? But I learned some really cool stuff about how the body works and how the energy fields in the body work. And when you're looking at your, your physical body, you have literally millions of electrons inside of your body, and they'll either admit positive or negative energy. This is just science. Positive or negative energy is, is created by your body. And you've met people, everyone has met people that release negative energy, and they repel you. And you see them coming, and you're like, oh, did they see me? And you duck down in the store. Negative energy. You don't want to be that guy. Well, the way that negative energy is produced is by negative thoughts, negative words. God made, God had a thought called you and he spoke it into existence and he said it was good. And when you allow yourself to think negative thoughts and speak negative words about yourself, 
on a scientific quantum physics level, you create negative energy inside of your body because God creates everything he creates by speaking and he made you in his image. You are a creator too. You don't believe me? Come home before dinner and complain to your wife tonight and watch the atmosphere you create with your mouth. What did you do all day? I only said that one time. That was 24 and a half years ago. <laughs> oh, I have the date marked down in my journal. Never say this again. But, but one of the things that this podcast I listened to, it said, you need to make a list of every single good thing about yourself. And, 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 and I mean, list it, 20, 30, 50 things, not just things, make, this is your homework, make a list this week, sit down with a pencil or a pen and a paper or your keyboard or whatever, make a list of every single thing that is good about you, God made you, things that you have potential for, things you have natural strengths in, things that you could be good at one day, things that you're already naturally good at, things about your personality, things about your body, I don't care, I mean, something good. You need to think and speak the good of God about you because if you can't get you good, you can't be good for others. And God didn't put you on this planet just for you. In fact, there's a command that we have, the greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as you. You can't love your neighbor the way God wants you to love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. Because you can only fulfill the commandment of God, love your neighbor as you love yourself, if first you love yourself. And if you're so caught up, and this is what happens, y'all, people that don't like themselves, they're, they're plagued with insecurity, plagued with self-negativism, I'm just making up words, I don't even know, is that a word? I don't know. They're plagued with bad thoughts about themselves, they have an ability to love that is human and temporary and has strings and control and manipulation attached. And all you gotta do to someone that doesn't know how to love themselves is do them wrong one time and you'll see how quickly they stop loving you. How many strings and control and all of that is involved because they've got a perverted love that's human-based and not God-based. Because God loves you with no strings attached. God loves you when you blow it completely. God loves you when you absolutely fail and fall short. He loves you. He loves you so much that the scripture says that when you were still sinning in the midst of your sin, loving your sin, Jesus died for you. God loved you at your worst. Loves you at your worst. That's not a license to keep acting wrong. It, it, it's, but it's a, place of, it's a place of starting, of saying it's okay. It's not arrogance. It's not cockiness to appreciate that God made you good. You better, listen, the best product you have to sell is you. If you don't like you, no one's buying what you're selling. Doesn't matter if you're selling vacuums or cars or whatever. If you don't like you, it's going to affect your ability 
to be successful in life because you're not giving glory to your creator. Let that sink in. You gotta learn to love yourself. It's where it starts. And this may sound simple, but every single one of you know that inside of your head, you say all kinds of crazy stuff to yourself. We are so hard on ourselves oftentimes. And we've got to learn to see ourselves in God's light. Because if you can't give grace to yourself, you can't give it to his other kids either. And you'll be a grace withholder and a love withholder. And you'll turn into a religious person with a long, boiny, uh, bony, pointy, I mixed pointy and bony together, boiny, a boiny finger. And you just look down on everybody else. And it's the whole thing where Jesus said, listen, before you talk about the speck in there, I take that giant, massive plank out of your own. And that's what happens in religion all the time is people that don't learn how to have mercy and grace for the essence of creation in themselves so they can't give it to anybody else. So let's talk about self-care for just a second. Focus on self-care. My friend Doug Sweet is an expert in this. He spent uh, over 30 years in recovery and, and he, he's a friend of mine, someone that I, I trust. Many of you know Doug Sweet. Uh, others of you will know him. Doug is on our board, and uh, he's a, been an advisor to me for many years. Doug knows all of my secrets. Uh, I told uh, my wife one time that she, she was like, are you sure you can trust Doug with that? I said, babe, I'm telling you, if I killed someone, I would call Doug. And Doug would say, let's take care of the body, and then we'll sort this out. She's like, there's no way. There is no way. So Doug came over to our house and I said, hey, hey, Doug, Jennifer has a question to ask you. And she's like, oh yeah, I do. Doug, if Joel killed somebody, what would you say? And he said, word for word, I would say, let's take care of the body. She's like, no way. That's how much I trust Doug Sweet. You need a friend like that, right? You need a friend like that. Well, Doug said, and this is his expertise, is helping people get healthy. Doug said that self-care starts with self-respect, with the statement, I have value, therefore I'm worth taking care of. If you can't see the value of God in you and believe that you're worth taking care of, you're not gonna be in any shape to take care of other people. Because listen, people will suck the life out of you and you've got to find things. Here's a couple just real practical things. Real practical things. You've got to find ways to fill yourself up. Number one, fill yourself up with the goodness of God. Whether you're listening to the Bible on, on audio, you're listening to worship albums, uh, you're, 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 my number one thing is I journal like crazy. I'm writing my feelings, my thoughts, my emotions, my whatever. I'm asking God to speak to me. I'm writing down what he's saying. And then I'm declaring what God is saying over my life and over my family and over this church. Come on, you've got to have healthy practices. You need to eat right. You need to take care of your health. You, listen, if you don't take care of your health, you will short circuit the plan of God in your life. He might have 10 or 15 or 20 more years of stuff for you to do, but if you don't take care of your health, you will jack up his plans. Well, I mean, whenever it's time for me to go, it's time for me to go. Baloney! People do stupid stuff all the time. Do stupid stuff. God says my people die for a lack of knowledge. And listen, it's more than just knowing it. It's, it's applied knowledge. 
You gotta live the knowledge. You can know the right way to eat all day long, but if you keep going to In-N-Out Burger, getting the double-double protein animal style, whatever it is that you get, how do I even know what that is? The protein style is actually the best way to do it though, because it's the lettuce and whatever, you leave the bread out. But the extra bacon and extra cheese, just saying. They do have John 3.16 on the side of their bottom of their fries or whatever, so I'm pretty sure those have no calories whatsoever. So just go to town on those. <laughs> Come on, guys. You gotta take care of you. You gotta take care of your health. You gotta, take, you gotta work out, you gotta walk, you gotta move, you gotta eat right, you gotta breathe right. You gotta take care of you because God's got big plans for you. And if you don't take care of the temple that he lives in, you can't let his temple that he lives in be bootleg, broke down, doors falling off, all kinds of stuff. You gotta take care of that temple because he's got plans for you. And he wants you to stay around a long time and do good stuff for him and his kingdom. And when he comes back, we'll all go home and have a party. But let's not die too soon. Let's not die early. Let's finish the race that he has set before us. Amen? Amen. So let me give you a couple, three very important thoughts that I want to give you. Number one, internal health is impossible without healthy relationships. We're going to make a little transition here in this. You are only as healthy as the people you surround yourself with. I'm gonna talk to the teenagers for a second. Teenagers, you all, you all, you all, you all know you lie about your friends because you don't want your Christian parents to know how your friends really are. I see you're laughing now, huh? You don't, want your, you don't want your Christian parents to know how your friends really are, so you cover them Oh, no, they're good. No, they don't cuss much. They don't drink much. They're, no. Oh, mom, you're not supposed to judge. You're, Jesus wouldn't judge them. Jesus would love them, mom. <laughs> Come on. A, I was a teenager. B, I was a youth pastor. Come on, we do it. But your parents know. My mom knew every time that kid, I'm telling you that kid, and I would cover and I would lie and I would, no, mom, don't you? I, all those different things, I did it all. But every time I got in trouble, it was with that kid that she knew she could sniff him, just sniff him out, have that Holy Ghost, mm -mm, not him. I brought a girl home one time, my dad took one look at her and said, uh-uh, don't you ever do that again. What if your mother had seen her? I'm like, what, Dad, what? She looked like she was out of a White Snake video. <laughs> I mean, dude, it was, she was a rock and roll girl, man. It was a bad, she was bad. And I'm like, all right, Dad, all right, all right, all right. You got me, you got me. Come on, guys, gotta be honest. Your parents have a gift. God gave them to you, teenagers, to sniff out the plot of the enemy to destroy your life by the people you associate with. So you listen to your parents because they have the Holy Spirit and God is giving them the ability to help you not destroy your life. Okay, husbands. Listen to your woman because she has an ability to hear the Holy Spirit to protect your life. And I'm not talking to you out of something I'm great at. <laughs> I'm talking to you out of something I'm working on. 
too, because come on, sometimes we're like, no, I know, what are you talking about? He's a great business partner. (laughs) Your wife will protect you from blunders if you listen to her. And wives, submit to your husbands because the Bible says so. All right, let's move on. (laughs) 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 Let your husband be the head of the home. Don't castrate him. Let him be the head of the home. Pray for him. Command godliness in his life. Prophesy that he become every single thing. Empower him to be the godly leader. Don't snip him. Sorry, is that too real? Internal health is impossible without healthy relationships. Did you ever watch the show Alone? You ever see that show? It's, it's like a survival challenge, and the people get to go out and live in the wilderness. Some of you guys would like to do that. And they get like nine tools, and they're 100% alone, and they all go crazy. They lose their minds because they're alone. And the, cra- the real crazy ones can actually stay out there a while because they've got a whole bunch of themselves to talk to. You're not supposed to be alone. God did not make humans to be alone. So we've gotta be willing to engage and build real relationships that are healthy. I'm gonna show you one in scripture in just a minute. Next point, healthy relationships are impossible without trust and transparency. You'll never have a healthy relationship if you're fake. If you won't trust and be transparent and create a sowing and reaping of trust and transparency, you cannot have healthy relationships. You've got to be real. You've got to be truthful. You have to be transparent. Last point here. You must choose to trust and be transparent. Every one of us have been through something. Every one of us have been betrayed. We've been stabbed in the back. We've had our heart broken. Uh, my heart, I got my heart broken the very first time hard when I was like 14 or 15. And, and I literally, I, I got it broken so hard. You guys ever see the movie Hitch? Remember, where, remember when Will, Will Smith's outside the car just crying? <laughs> that was me. That was, that was me. I got my heart broken so hard, I made a hitch vow. I will never let that happen to me again. And I put these walls up around my heart, and from that point on, I would date, but I wouldn't give my heart. I, I would have relationships, but, but, but I literally would enter every dating relationship. This is what Jennifer had to mess with. Every dating relationship I entered from the time I was 15 until I met Jennifer, I literally would say, hey, look, uh, we're gonna hang out, we're gonna date, we're gonna have fun. If you wanna date other people, do it, have fun. If you see me out with someone else, I'm having fun with someone else. And I literally, every relationship I had, I had these walls up where I would never let that happen to me again. And that's what she's had to deal with is that kind of a jack wagon that had to allow the Holy Spirit to finally heal my heart and allow me uh, to, to be soft inside. But guys, I'm telling you, man, you get hurt by people and you can create these self-defense mechanisms that set you on a path for decades of not being able to have real relationships, not being able to form real partnerships, and you may have people around you, but inside you're alone. 
There are people in this church, people watching online. You're surrounded with people, but you're alone because you've got walls. You, you've, got, you've got this fortress around your heart that you don't trust and you won't be transparent because if you showed people what was really going on inside, you don't trust that they would take care of your heart. And you know what? Some people won't. And you have to be careful with your heart. That's why the Bible says to guard your heart for out of it flows the wellspring of life. It's one of the things that we teach our children. Listen, make friends. You can have friends that are boys and whatever. And we want you, by God, in the name of Jesus, we want our daughters to like boys, okay? Uh, but at the same time, we want their heart. We want their heart to be guarded because we don't want their heart to get smashed because out of that heart flows the wellspring of life. So we teach our daughters to have boundaries and relationships so they don't get their heart smashed early and have to deal with the heck that I had to deal with as a psychopath teenager because my heart was smashed. I don't want them to have to live like that. Is, is, it impo is it possible to go through life without heartbreak? No. But maybe like, we delay it a little? Maybe let's get a little further down the road till you're mentally and emotionally able to handle some of the pressures of that. Just giving you practical stuff for parenting. I want to take you to a story real quick. And I want, actually, I want, to, I want to read this verse. I'm not going to have time to finish today. Oh my Lord in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. It's not cussing if you start praying when you say his name. You just have to know that. <laughs> It's not cussing if you start praying. Jesus, help me, Father, with all of my emotions. Things of that. Just got to start praying. Romans 17, 7. Romans 7, pardon me, verse 18. Watch this. I want you to see the transparency of the Apostle Paul. This, this, goes, this goes in the face of so many religious leaders or religious people that, that feel like they have to never show anyone their weakness because somehow it would take away their ability to lead. Watch Paul. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing Wrong, it is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Paul says, I'm not fine. Who will free me? from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God, he goes on to say, that the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord, is what he says as he goes into the next verse. And then he goes into this whole passage, Romans 8. I wish I could read it all to you. It's one of the greatest chapters in the whole Bible. One of the most important chapters in the entire Bible is Romans chapter 8. He begins that by saying, and he begins that by saying, and therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, this is a beautiful thing to understand, is that Paul, as a leader, was transparent with his mess. He's like, look, guys, don't think I'm perfect. Don't, don't think that I, don't put me on this pedestal. Yes, God is with me, and yes, I do good in some areas, but I still deal with stuff. I'm still human. 
I've heard religious leaders say, well, actually, Paul was not admitting to whatever. Of course, he lived perfectly holy and had no sin in his life. He was just speaking figuratively here. Blah, 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 blah. Sorry, I'm just getting a little. Shoot that bad doctrine. Shoot that bad doctrine. Be real. Be transparent. A transparent leader is a good leader. It shows people that you trust them and you're sowing seeds of trust so they'll trust you. You ever worked in an atmosphere that there was no trust? It's miserable. No one trusts anybody. Everyone's vying for each other's positions. It's horrible. Bad leadership. It's unhealthy. Paul gave us an example. The most influential Christian probably ever in the whole history of the world. This guy. I got weakness. I got flaws. I mess up. I want to do right, but I do wrong. I'm a human. I fail. I don't know what to do about it. I can't seem to get this right, but thanks be to God that Jesus Christ is the answer. You can't be perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. Only God is perfect, but God is in you. He's in you. I want to, I'm going to hold I'm going to hold off on this next portion. Uh, I really want to go into the story of David and Jonathan, but I'm going to have to wait on that. And I want to just stop where we're at right now. And I want to take a moment to really just pray for you. Um, and, and, and the reason actually, actually, I want to show you, I do want to show you one thing. I want to show you one thing about the David and Jonathan story, because I, I, I had, I had never really seen this in light of what we were talking about today. <clears throat> 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1 says this. This is after David had killed Goliath. This is after Saul had accepted him. It says, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. Watch this, watch this. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan loved him as he loved himself, essentially. Saul took him that day, would not let him go home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and to his bow and to his belt. I, I, I want to I finish with this point. Because David, if anyone, David had a right to mistrust people. David couldn't even trust his own dad to invite him to the party. David couldn't trust his own brothers to, to, to be kind to him when he was bringing them lunch. David would go on to not be able to trust his own king that tried to kill him every time he turned around, try to manipulate and use his, his daughter that he gave him as a wife as a way that he could get David killed because of his own insecurities. David had every right to mistrust everyone in life. But God sent him a Jonathan. I believe God's got a Jonathan for you. You may have every right to mistrust. You may have every right to not believe. You might have every right to believe the worst because of what you've seen and experienced. Just like David. But you can't be who God has called you to be if you go it alone. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So God sent... David someone that would love him as he loved himself, that would form a covenant. What they did is they formed a covenant together. 
That's why he took off his cloak. The cloak was a symbol of his position. Jonathan literally was giving him his position. He took off his belt because it had a sword on it and he gave him his belt and had him put that on and that was part of the vow. When kings would make covenants, they would trade cloaks, they would trade belts with their swords and they would vow, I will never use my power to harm against you. That's what's happening here. God gave David a covenant brother relationship that David would go on later in his life to say that the love that he had, the love that he received, guys, this is the first friend we ever see David having. David lived with the sheep, remember? There's nowhere in scripture that talks about his friend that David actually even had a friend until this. And God gave him a friend that would have the ability to love as he loved himself. To teach David how to heal and trust and be transparent and love the same way. And later on, David would say of Jonathan that the love in that relationship, the love in that friendship was greater than the love than he even had for the women in his life. And that sounds weird to us. But David had a bunch of wives. You think he trusted them? You think they trusted him? Any of y'all want to share? If your husband shared, would you trust any of them other girls? Thank you. I got one honest person. They're going to be like sister wives or whatever on TV and they're all buddies and cooking and having fun together. They don't like each other. They don't trust each other. David, David could not tell his wives the truth. But God gave him a friend. This is a messed up situation, y'all. Don't read the Bible and think, well, that must have been nice. Solomon, 1,000 women. Wow, that was... No, it's 1,000 crazy. That's what that is. Oh my God. So God gave David a relationship with Jonathan to teach him that there's actually a type of covenant bond, a, a type of covenant relationship. Come on, when you see some of, the, some of the guys in this church that have built real friendships that go really, really re deep and really real and talk about their issues and talk about their weakness and talk about their fails and talk about what's going on in their marriage, we've got guys in this church that go this kind of scuba deep that aren't gonna have surface relationships. We got women's groups in this church that go really deep and talk about real stuff. You don't need to go through life alone. You don't need to go through your existence alone. God brought you to this church to make real relationships where you can have real trust and you can build real transparency and you can develop relationships that will strengthen you and you can have this type of transparency that brings you to the place where people can see in you and declare in you and prophesy over you the great things they see and you can trust them and you can speak into what they you see in them. God wants to create that type of trust and healing and health and wholeness in relationships in your life, in this church. But you got to make a decision that you're going to trust. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.